0: Did even Cliff Richard like millennium prayer? Answer
1: me this, answer me this How much cream is in Jenny Eclair? Answer me this, answer me this Helen and Ollie, answer me this Sorry, Ollie, to start this episode on a very depressing note for you, but we have had this email from Daniel in Stevenage who says, I hate to ruin your evening, but I come bearing bad news.
0: no, what? Has he been looking at my medical file? (laughs) This is your doctor, isn't it?
1: And this was the best way to tell you. Uh, I have the joy of working in my local cinema.
0: Okay, Daniel, since I know Stevenage, I know that's the cinema world, so anything you're about to say could prejudice your job prospects in the future, so be careful.
1: (laughs) And on occasion, much like your 14-year-old self, proposed as recounted in answer me this episode 275 mm-hmm. we have a local comic shop that comes in and sets up a stall in our lobby selling merchandise oh okay they get there early make everything look all nice and sadly never sell a single thing oh
0: well that's okay no. daniel that's not bad news for me like no. if i was still clinging to my business hopes of uh 20 years ago yeah uh, it would be uh Fortuitous to me, wouldn't it, that the competition had failed? Yeah. I would be thinking, well, I can I can get that market all for myself.
1: And also you can market it better than maybe they are. Exactly. Maybe they're selling comics, but not trash
0: merch. Yeah, exactly. The bottom line is, because I didn't take it up as a business, yep. this it doesn't bother me that it wouldn't have worked out.
1: He says that the lack of sales is because parents usually say... I've just spent all that money on cinema and popcorn. You're not getting a bloody Superman action figure. Mm. So based of my very limited knowledge of the subject, i.e. one sample group in Stevenage, (laughs) uh, I would suggest sticking to the podcast racket over the cinema stall game. That's clearly where the big bucks are.
2: Lol.
0: (laughs) That's interesting, but I I think times are different now to when I came up with the idea... In 1994. Yeah. Um. I, I. It's been a few years since I went to the Cineworld in Stephenish Leisure Park, but I think the tickets are probably about seven pounds there.
1: Do you think? Would you even care- nowadays? Even
0: nowadays? Well, no. That's. I think that's expensive. What I'm about to say. Oh, okay. Uh, if you. If you uh, care to guess, Helen, what the price of a child admission to see Jurassic Park at the Letchworth Broadway was in 1994?
1: One ninety five. It, it was fifty. On
0: One pound. Oh. Wow. One pound. Excellent. That's what we paid. So. You know, my idea was in with that as the background You know, the, the adults yeah. had only spent three quid Taking their child to the cinema I but think uh, at that point they are willing to spend £20 on a stupid hat
1: But at the time you could get your car MOT'd for three quid
0: Actually, my local cinema now In South Hertfordshire Costs £4 a ticket Which is a good deal, isn't it?
1: But it's in South Hertfordshire gotta make ends meet
0: well yeah but there's another one that's nearby that's a chain one and Mm. that one costs I think eight pounds a ticket I think the disadvantage of the independent one is that you have to walk through a haze of smokers who are standing outside the gala bingo and just to get in so it's a bit like emerging through the door in stars in their eyes there's a like (laughs) like a massive haze of smoke
1: (laughs) but you must love that tonight Matthew I'm gonna be
0: (laughs) watching the one direction film
1: (laughs) actually you must have harboured dreams to be on stars in their eyes who did you want to go on as do you know I, I ladies and gentlemen mr elton john <laughs> i can't <find. laughs>
0: i suppose i would have to pick someone obviously with a beautiful rich baritone like myself Meatloaf. but actually like the person that i'd want to be really is i'd want to be bon jovi or something because it would be fun but the I wig would
1: have been good in the 80s i know
0: that i couldn't pull that off with my face
1: oh so you know Aww. i think you have to be
0: realistic don't you when you get on Stars In Their Eyes, you have to say, well, who actually could... I could be young Billy Joel. That's about it, really, isn't Oh, it? that'd be good. Yeah. Well,
1: there's a reason why that guy won looking like Chris because that is an attainable visual
2: goal. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> there is something brilliant, though, about a 45-year-old job assistant going on and saying, tonight, cat, I'm going to be Christina Aguilera. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that's what you think and it makes you happy, good on you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I- I'm not sure it's entirely achievable. Who are you going to gonna- gonna do?
1: Me? Well, I can't sing. Because that's a problem. You have to go who you sound like, really. I think female singers are less fun to ape.
0: I like doing the woman from the Cranberries. (laughs) (laughs) John Lennon died. (laughs) I quite like doing that. Actually,
1: actually, I can now do Lisa Stansfield because the other day I was at a corporate function Mm. and they wheeled on Lisa Stansfield at the end.
0: Not literally. She's not in a wheelchair now.
1: She's not, but she doesn't look in peak health Right. Um, she came on and did some unrecognisable hits because she was doing them in a jazzy style so mm-hmm. she started scat singing her voice is a lot lower than it used to be and so it really sounded like
0: oh that's very good actually it was rough I can do Doctor All ben. Stop wedding me! 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 Stop wedding me, 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 me! It's my life. I don't know if there's much call for Doctor Alban. I bet even the real Doctor Alban couldn't get on stars in their eyes being
2: himself.
1: <laughs> anyway, on to a question from Cathal from County Derry, who says, "I'm about to begin a night shift with a newspaper's website. Ollie, answer me this: How do I make it more bearable? When do I go to sleep/slash get up?" Do I go to sleep as soon as I get home or stay up for a while and wake up just before work? When do I eat and what? If I get up at 4pm, do I eat breakfast or dinner? Okay, so my whole
0: life for me. (laughs) Should I avoid
1: caffeine entirely? What should I wear?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, obviously the main thing you should be doing, Cathal, is listening to uh, Ollie Mann covering for Duncan Barks on LBC 97.3 if it happens to be an evening that I'm on.
2: The level of rage that will engender keep you awake all night.
0: (laughs) (laughs)
1: Because you actually have quite a lot of recent experience of... Pulling work-based
0: all-nighters. That's right, yeah, I've been doing overnight radio. you
1: got to stay alert, you've got to talk for four hours.
0: So I've been toying with lots of options of to how to stay awake. Speed? Well, the thing is, I think a lot of these questions that you've asked resolve themselves when you're... Simply physically unable to carry on anymore,
1: yeah and you're delirious exactly so it doesn 't matter what you eat
0: so for exactly, so for example, the strategy of and I guess if people think about this in the abstract form and they 've never tried it themselves, they may think this is a good idea the strategy of time shifting your day so you 've got 12 hour jet lag, yeah, so you wake up to go to work at one in the morning yeah that doesn 't work
1: it doesn 't no because your body uh.
0: can 't adjust that quickly because ultimately it'll come to the weekend and you won 't want to be getting up at one in the morning and going to bed at five pm um, so So therefore, you know, just even by the end of the week, changing your pattern a bit will throw your body out of kilter. So what I would suggest Mm -hmm. uh, is you have to reverse the way an ordinary person's day works. So you have to do morning activities in the afternoon. You have to do uh, evening activities in the first part of the evening and then go to work and do afternoon activities in the late evening. Okay. so you get up about 2 p.m. Okay. Uh, then you have breakfast Now of course I'm calling it breakfast But actually this is your only time to go out So if you're someone who <laughs> likes going out for dinner You go out for lunch yep. Meet a friend for lunch If you've got any friends who aren't working during the day You
1: often get some very good set lunch deals You get some
0: very good deals mm. But of course the problem is you feel like you want breakfast So I, I end up doing a lot of eggs I do a lot mm. more eggs when I'm doing overnights Than at any other time Because that's something that's on a lunch menu But is also really a breakfast item
1: But that's qu- probably quite good Because eggs are protein which helps your energy
0: Correct, yes Then you've got two or three hours to do the sort of evening admin stuff So go to the toilet, uh, watch some box sets Yeah, laundry Um, If your partner happens to be at home during the day Then that's the time to have sex and (laughs) socialise Then uh, you then have to go to work Right. It's slightly odd, but it feels like you're working in the evening rather than working sort of throughout the morning and overnight. It's yeah. the only way to do it. Here's a question from Sam in Brighton, who says someone I know is currently going sober for October October in a-
1: October
0: October, that's very good. in aid of Macmillan cancer support. she is a good friend, and the cause is excellent. Yes, b- but simply not drinking alcohol for thirty one days doesn't seem like an achievement worth sponsoring, yeah,
1: I mean, I've gone many months without even thinking, I should drink some alcohol. And no one has given me a penny for charity. I think it
0: depends who the person is and what the history is. I mean, you wouldn't say this to Gaza, would you? Oh, 31 days without drink. What's the big deal about that? Yeah,
1: but the incentive really should be to save himself first and uh, the charity perhaps could
0: benefit from something else that he does. Sam continues. My friend has already broken the sober pledge in the first week by using a golden ticket option which can be purchased from their website for £15.
1: Well, at least then the charity's getting £15, right?
0: Uh, and gives free drinking for one day. Nonsense. That That's is ridiculous, stupid. isn't it?
1: The charity would benefit more if you just paid the 15 quid a day to it for the golden tickets. Yeah, exactly. Why don't you pay them to drink rather than getting other people to pay you to do something <laughs> that, if you want to stop drinking, just do it in your own time. It's like if I go on a diet I wouldn't expect other people to pay me to do it as an incentive
0: well Sam says if I'm going to pay for someone to not drink is it fair for them to pay to drink anyway Helen answer me this should I sponsor her no, no. and not because you shouldn't give money to the cancer no, charity just give, do it, that anyway
1: yes do that anyway I think this feeds into uh, what Ollie was saying a little while ago about how a lot of people do things for charity that they want to do anyway like, they want uh, to climb, climb a mountain anyway yeah, exactly yeah. Or, yeah. or abseil they and this, this you, you, you shouldn't you shouldn't go well you have to sponsor me because otherwise I'll never get off the booze I just don't think there's anything noble in this. I, I,
0: I agree. There was this guy, actually, who's on X Factor. I can't remember his name, but he's this year's sort of Oli Murs-style cheeky chappy from Essex mm. with a six-pack. And he, in his VT last week, was saying something like, yeah, I'm well used to doing challenges because last year I did, and it's something like, Maybe. 30 challenges in 30 days to raise money for whatever, Teenage Cancer Trust. And they showed pictures of him. And the challenges were things like, eat a giant pizza. Jump. Ah. You do that every weekend. <laughs> Jump off a rock, and it's like well, <laughs> you're not, you're 19. You're on holiday. Like yeah,
1: get out of bed yeah. without falling I think over. One of
0: them, he had something like love tattooed on his ass or something.
1: He would have done that anyway. Exactly,
0: he would have done it anyway. Like he's that kind of guy. The
1: distinction for me is doing physical exertion things like running a marathon or climbing a mountain. I probably wouldn't be able to do, so I'm impressed by it. Whereas not drinking is something I do virtually every single day, <laughs> uh, and. I think other people are also seeking sponsorship for stopping smoking in Stoptober. Also something I've done all of my life and received no sponsorship money. Imagine how much I could have raised. Movember. Movember drives me nuts. I appreciate people raising money for these very valuable causes and drawing attention to these causes. But Movember, I just think... it's not that hard to grow a moustache unless you're Justin Bieber and it's just wisps so where's the endeavour it's really just drawing attention to yourself and you're like yeah I'm doing this for for Movember right so I'm doing something good that also makes me look a bit like a hipster it's
0: artificial hardship isn't it yes artificial hardship it makes you look better in fact by doing it for Dick Ember I'm going to have sex every day (laughs) (laughs) pay me though even when I'm tired
1: we've slugged off a lot of uh, these charity endeavours can we think of a better one
0: I do give to the guys dressed as Superman in the train stations because they always look like not a official Superman people yes. so it's always a, it's, a, it's a bad outfit and it's, they look yeah. totally ridiculous and I think well it's cold you're standing there with a pair of pants outside your trousers all day
1: they could just be a lunatic and you're giving them money I
0: know, but they're, they're putting in effort to raise money for a cause That's the thing, they are put, they are making themselves look ridiculous They're not just growing a moustache
1: I encountered one of those people I was in Fortnum and Mason's spending a gift card at the chocolate uh, counter <laughs> and
0: <one laughs> were, you, were you doing that under sponsorship as well? <laughs>
1: yeah, because I really put myself through a lot of discomfort Being yeah. in Fortnum and Mason's uh-huh. buying chocolate sure. um, And one of these people came in in a Spider-Man suit Full facial covering and the woman behind the chocolate counter freaked out because she thought they were going to pull a gun on her <laughs> because she couldn't see their feet. But <laughs> so he shoved the bucket at her and she was like, I don't think so. <laughs> you need to work on your approach.
2: No. Mm. If you got a question, an email a question, to answer me at this podcast at googlemail.com Answer me at this podcast at googlemail.com Answer me this podcast at googlemail.com And me this podcast at googlemail.com
1: It's Halloween soon So here is a Scary question From Ross from Glasgow Who says All good horror movies Seem to have One thing in common
0: They bore me (laughs) (laughs) No
1: A girl aged Six to ten Being a scary Little
2: bitch (laughs)
1: Ollie answer me this Why is it That a girl In a bright summer dress Is cute but by adding creepy music and turning down the lights, they become one of the most scary things in the world. (laughs) Where did creepy horror children in movies originate and what makes them so damn petrifying? It's like children's choirs when they're faintly discordant on a soundtrack.
0: Yeah, because I think you need to define the kind of horror we're talking about here. I think what we're talking about here is not actual terror, it's being creeped
2: out.
1: Like, I would say Sadako in The Ring, is an example of...
2: Well, she's like the modern thing that kicked her off, wasn't it? The ring and the grudge and... But then... Those, wh- those films.
1: What about the creepy twins in The Shining? Yeah,
2: well,
0: actually, I mean, if you... Okay, let's start with the historical origin of this.
1: Is there in, in like, a, a ghost story from the 17th century or something? Well, I,
0: I think it's just been with us since... Definitely since gothic horror. So if you think... Mm. I think the one that springs to my mind is Turn of the Screw, Henry mm. James, right? So if you take it back to... I mean, at least then, maybe it was before then, yeah. but certainly by the peak of Victorian gothic horror... Mm. Um, scary creepy kids were part of the story so it's not even a film trend this at all it's reflecting the ghost story origins of victoriana right that's number one um but then even in film uh yeah we obviously being of our generation born in the 80s and the late 70s we think of the omen and the exorcist and the shining but actually um even in film you've got village of the damned in the 60s and before that in the 50s there was a film called the bad seed um, which is about a kid who commits a murder. Um, so it's not really a, it's not really a, a ghost story, but it's a horror story in the sense that it's a thriller about a, a murderous child, yeah. and it's got a scary kid in it. So actually, this trope of demonic children has been around really since film and since literature. Yes, um, and I think that's because finding things creepy um, is <laughs> about feeling that there's something ambiguous going on, like there's something terrifying about a man coming towards you with a knife, but yes. it's not ambiguous. What makes it scarier, what makes it creepier, is if the man has a mask, like in Scream.
1: Or a melon baller, Uh.
0: instead of a knife. (laughs) Yes, Uh, because suddenly you can't read facial features. Yes. Suddenly you're like, I don't know if this is a threat, or if this isn't. And the child is the perfect sort of uh, demonstration of that, because we think of children as being innocent and sweet and naive. And
1: little girls, most of all, sugar and spice and all things nice. Yes, but
0: if they're then singing... We're here to kill you or something. Suddenly, it's ambiguous. You don't know how to react. You feel creeped out.
1: In fact, in the recent film adaptation of The Woman in Black, the Daniel Radcliffe one, they'd added creepy little girls to that yeah yeah yeah.
0: and everything actually that that plays on when you think about it uh doll's houses and mm. jack in the boxes and nursery rhymes all those things are creepy in context those are those are <laughs> creepy anyway so of course if you add that kind of music when you as soon as you add that some some jaunty angles
1: yes jaunty angles slight discordant slightly slowed down a rocking chair creaking on its own yeah
0: but all the it, buttons
1: are being pushed and it's you it's know the ambiguity are, it though works.
0: it's the ambiguity that if you lit it slightly differently if you saw it from a slightly different angle it wouldn't be scary at all It's the fact that you're not sure how to respond And there's this brilliant quote from Stephen King actually Who says that Terror is coming home to discover that everything you own Has been replaced by an exact copy of the original mm. It's that feeling of being really unsettled
1: Yes But very... not
0: not blatant pornographic man coming towards you with a knife Because then you can deal with what it is You can process it
1: That's very Pet cemetery, And also because it's little girls You know that it's not a fear of someone with superior physical strength Exactly Although in the film Orphan look tune out if you care about what happens in the film orphan but it's not very good (laughs) there's a little girl yeah but actually she's a woman with a growth problem so she always looks like a little girl but she's actually an evil adult
0: oh that's quite good
1: so she does have pretty good physical strength in her pint-sized body i suppose it's also that little girls seem like the most vulnerable of all Mm. members of society Mm. and therefore when they are the hunter Everything has gone wrong. Everything's topsy-turvy. And people's natural urges to protect children get inverted when you have to kill them for your own protection.
0: Yes. Mm. And actually, it, it makes you uncomfortable in the audience, doesn't it? Even in a heightened horror movie where it's been set up that the character has to kill a girl. Yeah. That scene is still, even though it's acted out... It's still not comfortable watching a child getting murdered. Are the there any times time
2: in which that actually happens? I'm just trying to think. Because like in The Omen, doesn't he win? Doesn't he kill everybody? And Sorry, spoilers. I think, uh, <laughs> it, I think in Pet
1: Sematary, it's a little boy, but the main character has to kill his own son. In
2: the ring, they don't kill Sotheke. They can't. She, she can't be killed. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the Exorcist, don't they kill her? No, they exorcise They're her. They, take, they, they remove the evil, Do don't they? they? Yeah. I think that's right. Imagine isn't? bringing that girl up afterwards, though. She doesn't remember it, which is... uh, I know, but
0: you'd remember it. Imagine if your little girl looked at you, fuck you, all. fuck you, you would never be able to look at her again, would you? Spinny
1: head. Yeah. You would just be waiting for her to kick off again because, let's face it, adolescence is a difficult time in many households. Yeah, well, that's what that's really about, isn't it? Yeah, but it's Mm. just the beginning for her, isn't it? I mean, they could have another five years of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Crucifix masturbation on a grand scale.
1: God. It must be very difficult for parents seeing their children masturbate with any kind of religious implement. <laughs> well, I don't know about you,
0: but the Passover plate always did it for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not kissing the Mazuza at your house.
2: Five Star Hotel!
0: It had an omelette station, a multitude of pools, but 30 quid for parking. WTF! Ethernet, not Wi-Fi like it's 1998, but there was a swim-up bar in the rooftop pool.
2: 3 Star Hotel,
0: a bit more down to earth, they did still have a pool, but it was full of kids. 2 Star Hotel, a lot more down to earth, they also had a pool, but it was full of dogs. One-star hotel There's a body in the pool
1: Answer Me This Holiday All the fun of travelling with none of the stinky toilets or frightening food Out now at answermethispodcast.com slash albums Listeners, please don't forget that if you want to leave us a question using your speaking voice, then the phone number to dial is this 02081235807 Or you can Skype Answer Me
0: This Hi, Helen and Ollie, it's Chris from Crystal Palace here. I was just thinking, uh, things used to cost a lot less in the past, like a Tazo or a Fredo bar it was only five pence and now I think they're about twenty pence, which is a four hundred percent increase. Uh but when I was little they still had pound shops and the things you get in pound shops, you can you could get uh example tools i don't know you can get for the same price as you can now so how come uh, inflation hasn't affected pound shops because uh, they seem to be doing better than ever now it seems helen and ollie answer me that
1: i love the fact that he's used the freddo bar as the consumer price index <laughs> i wonder whether chris has been stimulated to this thought because crystal palace recently got a massive pound shop in where the old blockbuster video oh which was. brand
0: is it is uh, it Poundland? I think it's Poundland. land thing is, actually, it's interesting. Like, a lot of local residents, when that happens, feel... And you can go online and you can see people campaigning against yeah. these shops opening on their high street. Yeah. <laughs> they feel <laughs> that the high street's been cheapened. They feel that it's going to bring in the wrong kind of person. But actually... Because these things have become so popular and mainstream now, apparently quite a lot of sort of mid-market shoppers go there. The kind of people that used to go to Sainsbury's and Tesco trying to save some money, mm. and actually they're now seen as an anchor tenant. If you have a pound land on your high street, it means the whole high street is
2: more likely to benefit
0: than suffer.
1: Well, fingers crossed for Crystal Palace. So triangle. there you go.
2: So I was under the impression that, that Pound shops didn't really something that was very useful. Like when I've been into them, it's all sort of random assortment of items. I can't imagine going there and getting my weekly grocery shop or my or, my, or the things that I needed to, to run my house.
1: Oh, contraire, Martha. In. A lot of them sell things like bulbs for plants, and I've got some very good box canvases for painting. What,
2: why is that part of your regularly regular household shop?
0: <laughs> I eat a lot of canvas. Well I think Chris sort of answers his own question in his question Ooh. when he says why isn't inflation affecting pound shops because they seem to be doing better than ever. Actually it's because they're doing better than ever that in a way they can have this inflation busting maintaining of their price point because of course the more shops they have the more stock they have the more they can negotiate on bulk to keep the price down. Yeah. They're buying stuff from the Far East so let's say they sell a, a pair of nail clippers Mm -hmm. now you look at those as a british consumer and you think oh in boots those would be 5.99 but here they're a pound what a bargain three pence exactly so even if it was the case that 10 years ago it cost the company 30p and now it costs them 40p, they're still making a 60p profit margin. And as Martin says, it probably didn't cost them thirty p it probably cost them three pence. So that's, that's their business model. Everything's from the Far East, including when they sell British products, apparently. You know, I, I, obviously, this doesn't go for everything, because they always just look for the cheapest thing.
1: So the Dutchy originals from there were actually manufactured in the Philippines?
0: There was a controversy about Poundland importing polo. As in the mint mm-hmm. From the far east Even though it's made in York Which is where Poundland Ooh, is based Because it was cheaper That's terrible isn't it We live in a crazy mixed up world The other thing as well About um, these pound shops Is that one of the mechanics That they use to make money Is the false perception of value In the customers mm-hmm. So some things genuinely are Great value You know you see a, an imperial leather shower gel And yep. you think Oh that, that definitely that same product is £2 And here it's a pound And yep. that is the case But then you'll see another product that actually might be 60p in Asda, but because it's in the pound shop and it's a pound, you assume that that is also cheap and it's not.
1: You're taking a gamble.
0: So they very carefully choose their stock so that, I don't know what proportion of it, but a proportion of it is not actually cheaper than it is in the supermarkets. It's more expensive. And they put it next to products where you're saving money. So...
2: Of course out. they make a
0: profit margin on all of it But yeah. some of it they make a much higher profit margin Than even the main supermarkets do So it's quite a clever idea
1: well, That's been very educational Thank you all <laughs> of
0: Well we have another question of retail It's from Zach in Hull uh, Who says Helen, answer me this Do you have to be Chinese to run a Chinese restaurant? Or can anyone with the knowledge of Chinese cuisine open one? As if there's a law. As if there's actually a law on that matter.
1: I love the idea that there is a police squadron dedicated to going around Chinese restaurants and busting them for being not from China.
2: (laughs) Are you from uh, Hong Kong, are you, sir? Does that count, does it?
1: No, your mother was from Macau. That's not enough, I'm afraid. Come with me. I don't think you would think twice about people who are not French or Italian opening French or Italian restaurants, would you? I mean, Jamie Oliver was trained up by the River Cafe that sells posh expensive. Italian food that was started up by two English women
0: true enough but when you're in a French restaurant you do want the waiter to have a French accent don't you and And, you will settle for foreign accent but you don't like it when they're British
1: most of all you want them to treat you a bit badly (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, not really badly, just with a, a sense of innate superiority. In- indeed, exactly.
1: But there's also uh, there's been a proliferation of burrito places in London the last few years. Yeah,
0: good I d- point. I
1: doubt many of them no have any Mexicans in, and particularly All of Oaxaca, them investment
0: bankers, basically, well, aren't they, that Tom- have decided to go into the fast food industry?
1: Thomasina Myers, who set up Oaxaca, Definitely not Mexican. not Mexican. Just a fan. Just a fan.
0: And that's interesting. That's because that's because Mexican cuisine is a great fast food cuisine, and yet we don't have Mexican immigrants. So they've just taken, yep. I guess, what you get in California, haven't they? They've taken what Mexican immigrants do when they move to America and moved it to Britain, run yeah. by non-Mexican people.
2: The only time went, I went to a um, dim sum place that wasn't wasn't stuffed by Chinese staff, it was stuffed, I think, by sort of Portuguese people. It was um, terrible, terrible food. Although,
0: actually, if there was a law. Uh, I would insist that there was a law that if it was the case that only Chinese people could open Chinese restaurants, they would also be forbidden from selling fish and chips from the same premises, because that's rarely good.
1: Although we used to live around the corner from a fish and chip shop run by a Chinese man who also used to do some Japanese dishes.
0: Yeah, it makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) Makes me uncomfortable if it's on the sign, because I think you're not, you're not. You're spreading your expertise too wide here. You're uh, jack of all trades, master of none. I mean, who's well, was- who's jack, jack of a
2: few trades? And actually, his teriyaki was great.
1: Yeah. If you think you can best him with a tricky question,
2: send it in on that internet thing to answer me this. To answer me this. Podcast at GoogleMail.com.
0: Martin, prepare yourself. We've got a question about the Midlands.
2: <laughs> what's it about which bit of the midlands is it about? The west
1: midlands more in the west oh that's bit. a bit
2: well the East midlands isn't the proper midlands it's just a bit stuck on the edge of east anglia jim says not i've quite. just moved i've just moved to
0: birmingham as yes! I've, and as i've just started <laughs> as i've just started a new job at the university of birmingham oh, that's great what i've noticed having moved here is that a it's quite nice actually That's lovely yeah oh yes yeah, correct uh, and but it's interesting actually it makes that point isn't it because i guess a lot of people not from birmingham think birmingham isn't nice I, I have that impression from what people in the 70s said about Birmingham, but actually I don't have that impression anymore because the people that I know from Birmingham say it is nice. A lot of places were not nice in the 70s. Yeah, that's right. New York, for instance. Indeed, mm. yeah. <laughs> and B, many people that you meet in Birmingham have a slightly underwhelming fact about Birmingham and oh. tell this to you often without prompting.
2: We used to have something like the Millennium Wheel. It was called the Birmingham Wheel. Is that true? <laughs> Oh
0: yes
1: Every every city had one for a bit I've been on the Nottingham Eye Yeah
0: actually I've been on the Torquay Eye The Torquay <laughs> That's too good for it <laughs> Um You've probably heard, says Jim, the one about Birmingham has more miles of canals than Venice.
1: Yes, but to be fair, Birmingham is a much bigger area than Venice and the canals of Venice are a lot prettier. So although Birmingham has 35 miles, I think people get more out of the 26 miles of Venetian canals.
0: I think there's few American tourists that come to see the canals of Birmingham, but that's the point, isn't it, of saying it? That's the point. So did you know more canals than You wouldn't expect that, would you? Well, would you bother there? going to Venice? Well, it's You've got all the
2: canals here. Birmingham is a centre industrial centre and it's essentially landlocked. So how did it get it? its goods to and from the city centre? Yeah, the thing is, when when a statistic is interesting, but the reality is boring, it yeah. doesn't change the reality, <laughs> does it? Industrial Revolution! It's like,
0: it's like when people say, oh, we've got an Amazon warehouse near us that's bigger than the Taj Mahal. You're like, well, Which fine. Which would you rather look at? I'd, I'd still <laughs> rather have the picture on my mantelpiece of me outside the Taj Mahal. Really? Yeah. Odd. Um, very odd. Uh, anyway, uh, Jim continues. Other Birmingham facts that I have encountered include... Birmingham has more trees per acre than any other city in Europe.
1: Now, I've seen that fact oft repeated on the internet, but no one seems to be able to name the number of trees Birmingham has. But the council says it tends to 94,000 street trees. Well,
2: as opposed to the trees that hang out in Brussels.
0: I struggle to believe that there isn't a Scandinavian city with more trees than Birmingham.
1: Actually, do you want to know the city that is the most tree-filled oh. city of Europe?
0: Uh, well, I would have guessed somewhere like Stockholm. Wait, wait. Um, or Reykjavik. Strasbourg. Sheffield. No.
2: <laughs> yep.
1: Sheffield. Really? Sheffield has an estimated total of more than two million trees. Wow uh, So it has more trees per person Than any other city in Europe So I'd imagine that it also has More trees per acre Because it's a lot smaller Than Birmingham is
0: Okay another fact Yep uh, Is that Birmingham Or more exactly The Clee Hills West of Kidderminster Oh they can't oh, yeah. claim those As their own Oh yeah Are the highest point At that latitude in Europe Until you get to the Ural Mountains That's a really boring Niche fact isn't it I think it is And that one has the ring of truth
1: Yes I, I Because think... it's so
0: boring Why would you make that up No one would want to compete with that statistic. You
1: look at a map of Europe at that approximate latitude and it is super flat until you get to the Urals. And I read an interview with a publican who has a pub called the Kremlin Pub in the Clee Hills. And it's so called because until they moved the radio mast in the late 80s, they could pick up radio signals from Moscow because there's nothing in the way.
0: Mm. Wow. Uh, OK, more Birmingham facts. Uh, the closest coastline to Birmingham is Western Supermare in Somerset. Well,
1: although Western Supermare is by miles the closest beach I think 105 miles. Uh, Blackpool and Rill are quicker to get to because of the roads, even though they're 125 and 124 miles away, respectively.
0: But they're both more depressing than Western Supermares. Oh, Rill's brilliant.
2: There's a sun centre, there's water slides, there's loads of arcades, there's the beach. As I say, both more depressing than Western (laughs) Supermares, so worth the journey.
1: Peter Sutcliffe used to love going to Blackpool to look at the uh, anatomical waxworks. He'd go all the way to Bradford. No, well, maybe they took them away after they were tainted by association.
0: <laughs> uh, right, another Birmingham uh, fact, inverted commas. Birmingham has more Michelin-starred restaurants than any city in the UK apart from London.
1: Okay, well, it is Britain's second biggest city. So, so you'd expect that, really. Yes, but Birmingham has, as far as I know, four Michelin-starred restaurants. Bray, where the fat duck is, has four as well. Yeah, but, but Bray it's is not tiny. a city. No, it's not So it
0: stands as a city fact
1: No, but Edinburgh has five And Edinburgh is a city And is in
0: the UK Oh, okay, right So yeah. that, one, that one's wrong
1: Anyway, why is Jim dazzling us With the underwhelming Birmingham facts?
0: Well, because he wanted to know If they were true He yeah. says, Helen, answer me this Are any of these facts true? So you've answered most of them Yeah um, Some of them are true Some of them aren't
1: Yeah, some of them are trueish.
0: He also says, do you have uh, Your own favourite Underwhelming Birmingham fact?
1: Martin as as a son of Birmingham.
0: Oh, I thought you were saying that Martin was your favourite <laughs> underwhelming Birmingham fact.
2: <laughs> Balti was invented in Birmingham. That's my favourite Birmingham that is fact. A good fact. Yeah. Is that really true, or have you just made that up? Uh, I, I, d- I didn't make it up, but it's sort of an urban a myth. I don't actually was, know whether it's true.
1: It was, it was it was oft repeated on television in the 1990s when they were explaining Balti, but it is just runny source. I'd imagine that someone had come up with that in Asia. Yes,
0: yeah, so and not thought to bother recording it. Yeah. Yeah, they
1: yeah, were like, "Oh, this is just a curry that didn't thicken
0: properly." Yeah, it did, didn't work out. Yeah, that yeah. no, is a good fact, though. I think I'll take that.
1: Well, anyway, listeners, if you have your own favourite underwhelming fact about Birmingham, then <laughs> you're welcome to share it yes. to an
0: underwhelmed audience. Yeah, in a way, the less whelming the better, isn't it?
1: I think so. Yeah,
0: we don't want to be whelmed; we no. want to be underwhelmed.
1: Yes. We want to go All right. Yeah. Uh, why has <laughs> a brain Formulated that thought We don't want to go Oh that's quite interesting actually yeah, yeah. No you've got to pitch it At that level Yeah okay Three out of ten interesting
2: <laughs> like uh, Ten out of ten fact two.
1: You can also send us Your questions By emailing Phoning or Skyping And our contact details Are as ever Listed on our website
0: AnswerMeThisPodcast.com answer Where you can also Find links to buy Our first three years Worth of the show For just 79 pence Per episode That is a bargain And that is a Whelming fact <laughs> <laughs> So I hope you feel overwhelmed
1: Yes And also there's written content on there Some of you may think Oh my question never get answered mm. Might have been answered In the form of writing Well
0: that would be overwhelming Wouldn't it Imagine if that Maybe Had occurred you, you, hadn't, you thought we'd ignored the question And then it turns out That actually you've had something Personally written by Helen All about it It's been on the website For six months You did not even know about it Just
1: pop in sometime Have a read
0: Yeah Have a read Do that And we will see you Next week Bye, Bye. Helen and